Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. I wasn't planning on coming on Sunday, um, but I got a little bit of time, so here I am. I want to talk right now about something that's going on as we speak and something else, another subject that is actually kind of historical. So I'm going to start with the current event. I've had people asking me if it's true about the trucker convoy going on in Canada. Maybe some of you don't know about this, but yes, it is true. There are the big rig drivers in Canada that have a massive convoy going to the capital. And the reason for this, they're calling it a freedom convoy because the main reason for this is because they are being told that if they do not abide by the government new draconian rule of getting the jabberdu, that they will no longer be able to drive, they will not be able to work, and So by doing this, that's going to eliminate the possibility of them buying food, paying rent, um, just any of the basic things that we need to survive. So that is the main reason for this freedom convoy. If you do happen to see anything about it on any type of mainstream news, What they are saying is that this trucker strike, that's what they're calling it, is over uh, better pay and all of this and that. Well, that's a big fat lie. The convoy is all about the freedom to choose without being threatened at job loss and um, not being able to be a part of society. That's what this is. There are other ones that are following suit. I know that in Europe, in Italy, and uh, some other countries, they are now starting their own freedom convoys. It's anyone's guess if it's going to happen here in the United States. But I did read earlier somewhere that it is being planned, and I guess they will convoy to D.C., even though, from all that I gather, D.C. is pretty much a ghost town these days. There's not much going on there. I don't know why. I don't know really what's happening there. But it seems to have been um, almost totally abandoned by the the political class who is supposed to be going there and working and doing this and that for us, you know, for we the people. But um yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with that. But it seems that there is something in the works now getting ready to happen in our country of the United States. Hopefully, um I have to tell you, I am um I am behind this. I I agree with this and It's not because, I mean, don't get the wrong idea, okay? I am not an anti-vaxxer at all. But what I am 
is a person who believes in choice, a person who believes in options. Once things are imposed on us, things are forced on us, and we accept it and let it happen, it's not going to stop right there, guys. It's not going to stop with, okay, well, you have to do this, or if you want to go to work, it's going to get worse. They're going to do more and more things once they can get away with this. This is like the entry level. And after that, it would just get worse. So I I believe that we all have options. We all have choices. Each one of us is our own person. If you want to do what I'm talking about, well, then that's fine. That is your choice. If you don't want to, that is fine. That is your choice. It is the individual's right as well as the individual's body. And so that is freedom. Without being threatened of being ostracized from society. Threatened with getting fired, not being able to receive your pension, and all of these other things. Especially in the United States that, I mean, it's, it's in the song, it's in uh, our, I mean, the land of the free. Well, I don't see one thing having to do with freedom when things are forced upon us. We might as well be branded like cattle because that's kind of like what it is. It's our own choice. No one else's. All right. So that is true. That is a true story. And it is not about better pay and better treatment or whatever. Nope. It's about the things that are trying to be forced upon them and them being threatened. Okay. So, oh, okay. Well, with that now, I think this was the main part of why they were questioning me. Because we all know that everything that we get in our stores and every place come from trucks. They come here on the train, they load them on the trucks. They come here on the ships, they load them on the trucks. And the truck drivers take them around everywhere and take them to the stores and that's how we get our stuff. Okay, so the longer that this goes on, and just because it's in Canada, it affects us here because we get a lot of things from Canada and Canada gets things from us and so on. So there may be disruptions in some of our goods. And depending on how long this lasts, then, okay, it lasts one week. I, I believe it's been going on for maybe a week or so. Okay, we may not see too many. But it look, it's looking like it's going to go a little bit longer than that. So sometime in the near future, we may start to see some things uh, missing from the store shelves. And if there are vital things that you have to keep around in your home, I would suggest getting an extra whatever it is. I mean, I'm not running out there and buying up all the Dr. Pepper or whatever the heck, you know. Just get an extra one because, I mean, this is going to be resolved. I don't think it's going to be like a month or anything like that. So, I mean, just an extra one. Even like... I mean, heck, I do a lot of um, painting, 
you know, and this and that, who knows? I'll just make sure I get an extra uh, whatever is my most, like the, the color that I use the most because, yeah, I just don't want to run out. But I, it's not going to be anything like, oh, we don't have any of this. It's just all totally gone and, you know, it's not going to be like that kind of scenario. I, I, anyways, I don't see that. I have viewed and looked into that and I just haven't seen it at all. Okay, so that, that's all I wanted to say about that. All right, and this next thing that I want to uh, tell you about is actually, it is historical in the fact that it happened in 1932 and it happened to Charles Lindbergh. You may be aware of this story that Charles Lindbergh, his uh, son, Charles Lindbergh Jr., was kidnapped. Or sorry, they say he was kidnapped when he was 21 months old. Okay, the first question that I started asking, I mean, I've gone back and forth with this story for a while. It's not like this is the first time I've ever looked into it or read about it. I've been kind of like touching upon it for a few years now. And um, it's just one of those things that I get interested in every so often. So I asked myself, well, in the first place, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound mean or anything like that, but what did Charles Lindbergh really contribute to society. I mean, think about it. What did he do to make him like this, whatever, national hero or whatever people call him? Why is his name like a household name? Everybody knows who Charles Lindbergh was. What did he do? Well, he flew across the Atlantic like he got across the Atlantic before the guy behind him. That's what he did. Okay. So anyways, he was said to be a loner and all this and that. So he crosses the Atlantic and then next thing you know, he's popular as Cheese Whiz. And um, he, okay, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but just bear with me. So he starts going out with this girl. And what happens is the woman that he married, I believe her name was Anne. He was seeing her sister first. He was dating Anne's sister before he dated Anne. So I don't know what happened there, but anyhow, him and Anne get together. And during the time when they were dating, Anne's youngest sister, the youngest one, they got like a ransom note or like a threatening note saying that if the family didn't do something, pay somebody this money, drop it off at the park or whatever, that they were going to kidnap the youngest sister. Uh, her name escapes me, but they were going to kidnap her and kill her. So they probably paid the money and everything was fine. So, okay, let's just put that off to the side now. So Charles and Anne get married and she becomes pregnant. I don't know how far along she was, but Charles took her on a plane ride. And you have to remember, okay, we're talking about, it was probably 1931 when she was pregnant. You can imagine that rickety old plane bouncing around. And even now, the smaller the plane, the more turbulence you feel. So 
if you can imagine, and these were prop planes, these were not jets. So you're in a rickety, bouncing around prop plane in 1931. And I think it was like, I'm going to call it a convertible because I don't know what they called them with no, no top, you know, you're in a convertible plane. And so it was said that perhaps that ride in the plane is what caused baby Charles to be born with certain um, conditions. I don't know what these conditions were because all that was said is that his head was bigger than usual, which I don't know how much bigger. I've seen pictures of him. It doesn't look like it was anything like he had encephalitis or anything like that. But that's what it said. His head was bigger than usual. And for some reason, he had to be on a special diet. That doesn't mean anything to me because maybe he was just lactose intolerant. I don't know what kind of milk they fed the baby. So, okay. So those are two things that were mentioned. Well, what it says to me is that perhaps there was something wrong. And being 1932 now, when when this baby was born, who knows what the problem really was. Maybe today we would know it as, I don't know, some kind of common malady. But back then, that's, that's all that I read anyways. I don't know what the, the complete story is with the baby's health. So it goes on, as I'm reading, to state that um, a couple of weeks before Charles Jr. was kidnapped, Big Charles was playing like a practical joke. I guess he was like a joker, a prankster. He like played a, played a practical joke on his wife and the nanny and he hid baby Charles in the closet for like a couple of hours. I think the baby was there for a couple of maybe three hours. To me, that's not really a joke. I mean, that's cruel to me because... That mother must have been out of her mind. And I don't know what Big Charles was doing or what part he was playing during the time when the baby was in the closet. I don't know if he was acting like he didn't know where the baby was or if he was in the closet with the baby. I have no idea. But it just, to me, is starting to paint a picture of a little bit of cruelty now. Just, you know, I mean, let's think about this. And I'm not saying anything about the note, the threatening letter about kidnapping and killing the youngest sister unless the money was paid. We just put that off to the side, okay? Because it just kind of comes into the picture with the future events. And... I personally do not believe in coincidence. And so this, to me, would have been like, oh, what a coincidence. That happened back then in the threatening note, and now this happens and blah, blah, blah. So anyhow, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because not only I've been off and on reading about this for a few years, but I recently heard an author who was looking into this case. And he presented something that was very 
meticulously done. The work that this guy did trying to figure this case out and look into this case was just meticulous. But there were these things that were left out. I didn't want to listen to the whole thing that he was talking about because it was kind of boring. But I did because I thought, well, maybe towards the end of his speech, he'll reference to those things that I just told you. Well, he never did. He never spoke about these things. And and he never spoke about the other things that I'm going to tell you also. So I don't know why, because these things are not secret. So I don't know why he left them out. So um, during, see, this is very strange. I mean, the whole thing's strange, but anyhow, it's said that Charles, big Charles, he was one of these people that if he said he was going to be there, that meant he was going to be there. And if he was unable to, he would let you know. He would contact you and let you know. So he was a man of his word. So he was supposed to be at some event, not sure what it was, and he didn't show up and he did not let them know that he was going to go ahead and drive home. He was two hours away from where his house was. So he gets in his car and he drives off, which was very uncharacteristic of him, just to not show. So he's at his house, he goes home, and he tells his wife and the nanny, I mean, I'm just, this is just a truncated version that I'm telling you. He tells his wife and the nanny, okay, don't go into the, to the nursery between the hours of, I think it was 8 and 10 p.m. Why would you say that? And why would you listen to what he said and do it? Maybe he was acting like, my wife needs rest and the nanny needs a break so we can, we can be okay without anybody going in there for two hours. Okay. So apparently they didn't do it. So at 10 p.m., and Charles is home at this time. It, it said that he's, he was in the house. He was reading a book. So one of them, either the mother or the nanny, goes into the nursery and the baby's missing. And so I'm thinking that there probably was some screaming going on at that time. And the first thing that Charles said when he went into the laundry is, they've kidnapped our baby. That seems kind of strange to me. And uh, who are they? How did he know it was a kidnapping? How did he know that they weren't pranking him, getting back at him for, you know, the, the shit that he did before? But he just like made this announcement. Okay, well, I can let that go because we never know how we're going to react in certain situations. All right, I'll give him that. So the, the police are called. The police come in. More police come and show up. Somehow the press hears about this and they show up. So there are people in that house. They say they found nothing, 
But the author says there was a dirt, like some dirt on the nursery floor. See, what I read, all the things that I've read said that there was nothing on the nursery floor. So I don't know. It's a long time ago. Who knows? The, the stories always change as they go down through the years. So maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But the strange thing is that with these people in the house, with the women in the nursery, no one found a ransom note except for Big Charles. He found the ransom note on the windowsill when he was up in the nursery all by himself. Now, what does that say? I mean, that to me is very incriminating. You're just, you know, happened to be the one to, everyone else overlooked this note on the windowsill. I, I can't buy that, especially with cops in the house. Now you got police in there and they're not going to see that. So that is a red flag for me. Then, apparently, there was a ladder that was broken, but it was not, like, right there by the house, like at the window. But there was a ladder on the property that was broken. Long story short, the police did a reenactment kind of thing because they were thinking, well, this is after, okay, because sad part is they did find the baby. They found the body. And um, it was uh, pretty well decomposed. And they figured out that the baby had a mortal head injury. So they did a reenactment, climbing up a ladder. They made a ladder that looked like the one that was on the property. And um, then they had some man climb the ladder who was 180 pounds. He went in there and then he picked up this sack. And they figured that the baby, because he was 21 months old, how much he weighed. So this man gets the sack and he starts climbing down the ladder out the nursery window and the ladder breaks. So when the ladder breaks, the man drops the sack and the sack fell on like some brickwork that was right down there below the window, below their nursery window. So they're saying, well, the abductor dropped the baby because the ladder broke and that's how the baby died. That's where the head injury came from. Maybe that is true. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it isn't true. But what I'm trying to say is, see, this story was so cut and dry by this author. And this is recent. This is not a book that was written like in the 70s or anything like that. This is recent. And uh, there are just so many intricacies with this entire thing. If you read it, if it's very short. Like you can read it. You can read about this like in, in no time. But they found this guy. They said he did it because he had some kind of gold notes and this and that. And so then he ended up in the electric chair. And they... Um, Charles, Big Charles, had 
the baby, what was left of that poor baby's body, cremated. So his wife was not even able to bury her son. Why would he do that? See, there's, there's a cover up there. And I, I can't point my finger like at Charles Lindbergh himself because I don't know. I can only speculate. And the guy who they said did it, who was um, killed, Bruno something or other, I can't tell you his last name, he never admitted to it. Never. And, you know, before they um, take somebody out, whether it's by lethal injection, uh, firing squad, electric chair, whatever, they always ask them, would you like to say any last words? After that Bruno guy had said, look, I did not kidnap that baby. I did not kill that baby accidentally or otherwise. So he said nothing. He had no last words, nothing. Because he knew that, well, why am I going to bother saying anything that's futile? I'm here in the chair. So did Big Charles play a role in this? And did he play this role because there was something wrong with the baby? Did he not want to be um, saddled with a baby who was not 100%? Maybe he had uh, some kind of a handicap? I have to tell you, when I look at pictures of that baby, I don't see that. He looked like a normal, cute little chubby baby with curly blonde hair. So that's something that we'll never know. It's just one of those things that the more I start thinking about it, just the more interesting it becomes. And this story is not just cut and dry and it's this way and that's that to me. When I look at some of these things, it's like, no, nah, there's something else going on there. I, I don't know what it is. It's like a, maybe a combination of things. There are things about this story, there are things that we don't know. The sad part about it is that an innocent baby had to die because of some, who, something who knows what. I don't think we'll ever know. It's been too many years. So... The other thing that was so disturbing is that um, there are pictures of what was left of the baby's body when it was found. I saw the pictures, and it's just so sad. Even after all these years, it's um, very, very sad. And all the players now, anyone and everyone who had anything to do with it, are, are gone now. But to forget about this is a tragedy. 
in itself, I think. And you might say, who cares about this? It doesn't even matter. Well, I'm going to tell you, it does matter because that baby had a destiny. And because of, I don't know what, but because of whatever reason, someone altered his destiny. Someone stopped, interrupted his destiny. That's one of the reasons why murder is so heinous. Because it's someone who is not allowing another to fulfill their destiny. And um, this, there, there are just too many loose ends. There are too many little things that went on for me to just believe that, oh yeah, someone just kidnapped him and killed him. No, there's, there's more to it than just that. And somehow, remember Anne's youngest sister and that threatening note. And now they get a note about paying the ransom for they can get their baby back. See, it's like, nah, there's, there is a, a tat, like a wire attaching this whole thing together. It's like a spider web. But who knows if that baby would have been allowed to fulfill his destiny, what he would have done. Each thing that happens like that, each time someone is murdered, it changes the course of not only that person. It, ex- it extinguishes that person and it changes the course of others. It changes the course of other people's lives as well as maybe their offspring that they were never allowed to have. And maybe some of you don't believe this kind of thing, but I believe it's true. Because of the murder element. You're extinguishing a fire and you're altering the course. So, yeah, that's why murder is just um, a horrible mortal sin. And also, it's kind of like trying to play God because you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. And actually, only God is uh, really supposed to take us, not another friggin' person. So, yeah, that that's my belief, guys. But if you want to look into that a little bit more, and maybe you'll see some of those things that I was talking about. And, you know, there's more to the story, but I just wanted to get down to the bare bones or else we'd be talking about this for a long time. But it's it's a mysterious story, it's tragic, and it's very sad. And when I talk about it, I could see that little baby's face when he's sitting there, like 
with his first little birthday cupcake-looking thing. And he's just so cute, just so wonderful. But um, anyways, that's all I've got for right now. I know that I'm going to do creepy, but that's tomorrow because I didn't plan on coming on today. But this is something that because of what I heard earlier and so many things were left out, I just wanted to fill in those gaps for any of you who may be interested in this story and who may like a little of like, I don't know, criminal history or whatever you want to call it. This was called like the crime of the century, something like that. When that happened, I mean, in the 30s, you know. But um, I will um, probably be back tomorrow, more than likely, God willing. And we're going to get into some creepy stuff. And I've got, I've got some of that and some listener submissions, as well as a story from someone who lives um, not in my neighborhood, but pretty darn close. I got a story and um, makes me feel a little bit like heebie-jeebie. But anyways, thank you for joining me. I know that today is like um, two football games. I don't know, the Rams and somebody else. I'm, I'm not a football fan, so I really don't know too much about it. So if, um, if you guys are football fans, well, I hope you don't drink too much because... <laughs> Probably going to be a lot of people calling in sick tomorrow. And if you do, I hope that you just do it at home. You know, if you're going to get shit-faced watching the games, I hope you do it at home so you don't have to go anywhere. You can just, like, pass out on your living room floor, okay? So thank you once again. I appreciate all of you, and I'll be talking to you soon. Ciao.